Gitin Perik Hey Mishnah Ches five eight. The Mishnah now, as it wraps up the Perik, has a couple Mishnayos with um, other Takanos that are for Mitnei Darche Shalom, for the sake of promoting peace, as opposed to Tikkunei Olam, making the world a better place. So we have to differentiate between the two. But here, this is specifically regarding um, peaceful relations. So these are various um, areas of life where Chazal anticipated people would come to argue and fight. And to prevent that, they therefore lay down certain rules to prevent that from happening. So here the mission starts out. Each of the various cases we'll have to take in turn. The first is, These are the things the rabbis enacted for the sake of promoting peace. The first is, The first is that when a person gets an aliyah in shul, and in the time of the Mishnah, the person who got aliyah actually did the reading, not just said the brachos, which is why it says kore, he reads. So really, midor isa, it should be going in order of whoever is the biggest tomni chacham over there, should get priority. Um, the problem is people just come to, if there's not a clear hierarchy, the people just come to fight over who it is and who gets a chance to go. And therefore the rabbi said from the outset, no, 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 we're going to have Cohen read the first aliyah, then Levi the second, and Yisrael the third, to minimize the fighting over who gets the chance. Now the truth is that really Midoraisa, the Pasuk says, Vikidashto, you will sanctify him, the Kohen, Kadashiyalach Lach, he'll be holy to you. Um, which means that there's a mitzvah Doraisa, one of the target mitzvahs, to accord honor to the Kohen. And um therefore really by rights, if the Kohen is on equal footing in terms of his Torah knowledge with other non Kohanim there in the minion, the Kohen um, really should be able to go first and should go first midinda or raisa as opposed to some takana of Darke Shalom. The problem is that the Kohen is always within his rights to be mochel on his kavod, to forgo that honor, and in which case he would give his aliyah to somebody else, and that is where the recipe for disaster comes in. People could fight over who should be getting it if the Kohen's handing it over and why you're giving it to him and not to me. Therefore, the rabbi said, no, Kohen goes first. Um, following that, it's the Levi. Now, the Levi really is going second um, for the sake of sort of honoring the Kohen because they're from the same Shevet. Um, and then the Yisrael comes third. Now, if there is no Kohen, then really um, the Levi doesn't have any particular um, priority. In fact, many learn that the Levi Dabka shouldn't go um, if there's no Kohen. Um, so it's Cohen, and then if there's no Levi, then Cohen, the same Cohen again, the second time, because he really is, you know, he's from Sheva Levi anyways. Um, and uh, if there's no Cohen, then it would just be three Yisraelim, whatever it is, uh, no giving special treatment to the Levi, according to most. According to, according to everyone, the, the, no special treatment, and according to most, he, he shouldn't even get a chance to go up in the first place, give it to Yisrael, stop any confusion. Now... Um, the truth is that the rabbis enact this where people are likely to fight, which it sounds um, to be, according to the Gemara, only on Shabbos and Yom Tov, when like, the crowds really show up to shul. But the universal custom has been um, that it applies to Monday and Thursday as well. And similarly, though, really, if you have a non-Kohen who is a Tomachachim and you know stands above other Kohanim in the Minyan, um, really, he should go first. But notwithstanding that the universal custom has, custom has become, that it's the Kohen who goes first, then Levi and Yisrael, and we don't really look at their, their stature. And then Shlishi is given, you know, as a covet to the, the Tamakach in the room, typically. Okay. Next, the next case, it's like unrelated to the previous, but again, it's another Takana Mipnei Shalom, is Ma'arvin Bebayas Yashan, the Eruv, 
meaning the box of matzahs goes in the old house, literally, for the sake of peace. So the case here is as follows. Eruve chatseros, which is one of the three different kinds of Erevin that Chazal set up, the other two being the Erev Tavshilin and the Erev Tchumen, both of which have nothing to do with this whatsoever. Um, here we're talking about, again, the Erev Chatseros. And the idea is as follows, that mid-oraisa one may not carry from a private domain and transfer something to a public domain, or vice versa, taking in from the to the Rishosiyachid. Even if you have two Rishosiyachid, two private domains, however they're defined, um, but one is like a private residence, your own private home, let's say, and the second one is like a shared, but still halakhli private domain. So, for example, like um, the foyer of the apartment building. So there, it sort of feels like a public place, although it has mechitzas on all sides, it's, it's, it's walled in, so really it's just yachid, therefore midah araisa, you could carry from your apartment into the shared living space of the apartment building, midah you cannot, unless you first set up the Erev Chatseros. And the Erev Chatseros basically um, is bread, um, which is done specifically like a bread or matzah, um, which is put in one person's home, the apartment, and then it's as if there's a consortium, all the residents kind of live together, partaking in sh- being unified by this bread. So someone's apartment gets the, the box of matzahs, is how it's typically done. So our point of omission here is that if there's one particular apartment, which is the place where you always put the matzahs, they have to keep on putting it there, even if, let's say, the person who in apartment 3B, which had the matzah all along, he's moved out. So the matzah should still go into apartment 3B again. And um, the Gemara says the reason why people shouldn't come to be choshed one another, to suspect one another of bad behavior, um, and then come to argue. So two basic approaches, what kind of bad behavior we're talking about. Some learn the issue is, if there's always the you know the mat- box of matzahs for the air of an apartment 3B, and this week it's not there, people will say, hey, they stopped doing their halachas properly, they're breaking the din of Eir Chateros and doing Hotsam and the Rabbanan, um, and they'll fight about that. Others learn the issue is if you're always putting it into you know apartment three B and then you stop, people think oh it's because you think that the residents of apartment three B are going to steal your matzos and again that will lead to fighting. Um, all this applies where it's as the mission says bias yashan um, the old place they always do it but if it just is there sometimes and sometimes not or just been there for one or two weeks that certainly would not establish salacha but once it's always going there it has to continue to go there because of darchei shalom. Okay, next. Um, a new din here. This is talking about if you have an irrigation canal, an amasamayim. So what happened is in the time of Chazal, they didn't have sprinklers. So how did they irrigate their fields? They had a water source, like a river, or let's say, or a, or a spring. And then they would have like a sluice, like a conduit. They would take that water and take it you know, through the fields. And people would then um, divert water from the main ama, the main sluice, um, to you know, irrigate and water their fields. So the water is going to run out eventually. So what people had is they had boros. A boros is a cistern where they would store water for later. Now really, mid oraisa, everyone along the length of the irrigation canal has equal rights to that water. And therefore, um, there's no reason why Mr. A should have rights over Mr. B in terms of who gets to fill their cistern first. But obviously, um, the people who are upstream, if they fill their cistern first, that means mean the people downstream don't get water. So there was ongoing fighting about who gets water and who has rights to it, and although Midorai Severn has equal rights, the rabbis are trying to set up something here where Midorabanan at least has a clear hierarchy, and that way people won't fight because they know they know the pecking order. So the Mishnah here says, Bor Shahu Karov Laama Mismala Rishon. The simple reading of this is 
the cistern, which is closer to the, meaning upstream, close to the source of the water of the irrigation canal, that cistern gets to be filled first. Um, the point was just, again, like setting up any any rules makes it that no one's fighting anymore because they understand the rules to follow. Uh, the problem is here that there's actually Mechlokos Amorayim. Do we read the Mishnah to mean that people who are most upstream get to go first or actually people who are most downstream get to go first? The latter would make a little more sense um, because they get to fill their... They get the water last, they get to fill up their system first, and as it dries up, they'll you know have a, a reservoir and so on um, for later. But uh, the simple reading of the mission is like the other way around, the people upstream, whatever it is, the din, I don't call it Lamaisa, I don't know who does this Lamaisa today, um, really is kind of like um, a bit of a free-for-all, and therefore this, meaning called Alam Glavar, whoever takes the water gets the water, and therefore this... Uh, this Takana didn't work out so well, I don't think, um, practically speaking. Uh, next, you have Mutsudos Chaya Va'ofos Vadagim. If someone sets up a trap in the forest to catch himself some live animals, Chayos, wild animals, Ofos, birds, Dagim, fish. So the truth is, if you um, set up a, like an, a, a, a trap, like a snare or a net, that doesn't have a base keyboard, it doesn't have like a reservoir receptacle. So then, even though you've sort of like caught this bird by its foot, um, the bird, which is a wild animal before, doesn't technically belong to you. You have nothing has like acquired it for yours. It's just a trap bird in your trap. And that being the case, really, Midoraisa, if someone helps himself to that bird, he's not really stealing from you. He's just messing you up, but you don't really have rights to the bird yet. You haven't um, taken ownership of it. That in contrast to if the trap itself had some kind of base keyboard, like a receptacle, an area that's holding things. So if you have like, you know, I don't know, fish somehow are falling into a fish tank of yours you've set up over like, I don't know what, a waterfall or something. So what's in the fish tank um, would certainly belong to you, Madaraisa. But if it's just ensnared in a way that there's no base keyboard on a hook or something, so then um, it would not belong to you yet. So the rabbis are saying, even though it doesn't technically belong to you, other people... Um, may not take it because obviously, well, that might be technically within their rights. Medaraisa, it's going to lead to a lot of fighting if I set out traps and you steal the the fish I'm catching on my hooks. Okay, so that's what it says here um, that yesh um, behem gezel. We treat it as if it's there's theft, but made dark shalom for the sake of promoting peace. And while that's true, um, just know that if someone would, you know, steal the fish off my hook while he's violating what the rabbis are saying to not do, I couldn't sue him and get it back because it's not technically Gezel. Okay? That said, Rabbi Yossi Omer Gezel Gamor. Rabbi Yossi says, no, it is Gezel. It's only rabbinic Gezel, rabbinic theft. Midoraisa can't, it's not, since you didn't take an act, ownership of it, me taking off your hook wouldn't make it me an actual Doraisa thief. But Midoraban, I am a thief, meaning according to Rabbi Yossi, if someone stole someone else's fish off his hook, so then... Uh, it would be, it would be a gezel madurban, and he could sue him and get the fish back. Um, but the lach is not like rabiosi. Lach is like tanakama. So really, although you're doing the wrong thing by taking the entrapped animal that doesn't belong to you, um, yet still, it's it's not legally enforceable in a bezdin. Similarly, metzias cheresh shota v'katan. If you have a cheresh, the deaf mute, the shota, the um, the mentally incompetent person or the cut on the child. So since, as we said in the previous mission even, that they haven't got the ability to effect legal transactions, they, if they find something and pick it up, 
it really hasn't become theirs yet. So the Kherashot or Katan who picks up 50 shekels blowing in the breeze, really it's still a hefker ownerless 50 shekels, and somebody else can come and snatch it out of the kid's hand, um, mid-oraisa. However, yesh behen mishum gezel, the rabbi said, no, you can't do that. It's like, don't do that. It's like as if it's being stolen. Always, of course, people will come to fight over who gets the money and their kids getting stuff ripped out of their hands, as well as their deaf mute and show to friends. Oh, that's for the sake of reporting peace. Um, but again, according to the Tanakama, if someone did it, um, since the child, let's say, hasn't really acquired the 50 shekels, he couldn't get it back, or his father couldn't get it back for him in Bezdin. Was Rabbi Yossi Omer Gezel Gomer? Rabbi Yossi says, no, the rabbi said it is stealing, and therefore you actually could get it back in Bezdin, but the halacha is not, not like Rabbi Yossi. Next, you have the Ani Hamanakef Barosh Hazayas. You have a poor person who's climbed up into an olive tree, and he's like knocking down or cutting down the olives off the tree. They've been left as, let's say, peah. So if he didn't pick up the olives with his own hands, and they like kind of fall to the ground, so technically he hasn't acquired them yet, so therefore those hefker, ownless olives remain hefker now that they're on the ground under the tree, even though he's doing all the work to get them out of the tree. And therefore someone else might want to, you know, take a shortcut and collect what's falling beneath the poor man in the tree and collect, harvest the fallen olives. That's not, of course, going to make the honey up top doing all the work, be very, very happy. And therefore the rabbi said, don't do that. If Ani's up top of the tree, knocking down or cutting off the, the olives, Masha Tacht of Gezel, the other person, if he would take the olives that have fallen beneath to the bottom of the tree, he is, it's as if he is stealing, therefore he cannot do it. Even though technically Midorai said the olives don't belong to anybody yet, there's going to make a big fight if this guy comes and, and helps himself to those olives. Rabiosi Omer Gezel Gamar, Rabiosi says, no, already the rabbi said it's like stealing Midoraisa, excuse me, Midsilma but it's enforceable, meaning the Ani can kick the and say, listen, the rabbi said you can't do it, so now you have to give it back to me. But again, the halacha is not like Rabiosi. Um, and finally, Eimemachin Biyad Aniye Goyim Beleket Shechopea Midorach Shalom. If you're a Jew and you've left out your gifts to the poor, you're leaving out for poor Jews. Um, so leket is like the forgotten, is like the stalks that fall as you're harvesting. Shecha is the forgotten bundles as you're collecting into the main, you know, the main har- threshing floor. And pay is the corner of your field and that you're not harvesting, leaving it for the poor to harvest themselves. Now, the Pasuk says, La'ani v'la'ger ta'azovosam. You will leave them for the ani and the ger, the poor person and the ger. But the ger here doesn't mean... Um, a, a ger toshav, a non-Jewish resident of the land. It means a ger tzedek, a convert who has no one to support him in society. Um, so really, midoraisa, you don't leave things for non-Jews, even if they're geri toshav, if they keep the shevets b'ninoach. But the missionary is saying, okay, for the sake of promoting peace, we're going to leave and let the non-Jewish people who are poor also participate in the gifts of the poor. Otherwise, people say, what kind of terrible behavior is this? Not leaving and taking care of the poor non-Jews as well. And the Gemara says that doesn't just apply for um, charity. If you're providing charity, you can provide the charity um, to non-Jews as well as you're providing it for Jews. But also things like visiting the sick and burying the dead. Also, again, um, Jews should participate in the visiting or burying of the Gentiles as do the Jews. Again, because if you don't do that, people will think Jews are terrible people, come to fight with them. That's that's certainly, a, that would be terrible. And therefore, for the sake of Dar Shalom, we make sure that the non-Jews are taken care of as well.